It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Brian Mosley, president of Right Now Media. Right Now Media serves pastors, staff, church members, and other Christian business leaders by producing video-based Bible studies, creating leadership training resources, and hosting inspirational events and conferences in major cities around the globe. Brian leads this ministry with a quiet and determined leadership style. Right Now believes the mission of the church matters. Their ultimate goal is to encourage, inspire, and equip millions of Christians to be on mission wherever God has them, at their home, at work, school, church, or around the world. Brian graduated from Baylor University and then married his high school sweetheart, Julie. They have four kids together, Abby, Grant, Ashley, and Tristan, and two of their children came through fostering and adoption, so they're big fans of orphan care initiatives. They worship and serve at Allen Bible Church, where Brian is also an elder. Brian Mosley, welcome into the corner office. Awesome. It's great to be here. Thanks, Brian. Ah, it's so awesome to have you here. And gosh, I got introduced to your organization a couple of years ago. I was at the Current 19 uh, for uh, C12 Group down in Atlanta, Georgia. And all those terrific uh, videos that you've took. And, you know, we were able to carry back all the messaging to our group. Uh, I'm just so excited to have you here and, and hear more about Right Now Media, which is where you've been for the past 20 odd years. But uh, before we dive in there, I'd love to just hear a little bit about your early years. Tell us uh, where you grew up and what your early family life was like, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate it. So uh, I was born in Ohio, but we moved down to Texas when I was pretty young and, and mm -hmm. to the Dallas area. So since about the age of three, uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area has been home, uh, nice. always a little bit north of Dallas. Uh, I've got uh, wonderful parents and a younger brother who's about mm -hmm. five years younger than me, and, um, cool. and then a lot of extended family here in the area as well. So this has been home, um, really enjoyed uh, growing up here, really enjoyed. Uh, met my wife here and and her family's in the area as well. So this has been home for a long time, and as best I can tell, will be home forever. I love it. I love it. And what what brought Dad down to the Dallas area? Well, and so it, it kind of intersects a little bit with my career story as well. Yeah. But but he and my granddad started our organization, and they started it in Ohio, and then moved down here to Dallas. Um, like I said, in the early '80s, and they were doing a lot of travel at that point, especially mm. international travel, and so. Yeah. The DFW airport made it easy to get to these places around the world they needed to go. And so, right, uh, so right. here we are. That's great. And was it called Right Now Media back then? So, no. So when it very first started 40-some years ago, it was called Priority One. Priority and, One. Um, okay. and so that was the main you know name of the organization for many, many years. And then yeah, about yeah. 10 years ago is when we switched to Right Now Media. 
and, and dad and granddad started together or did granddad start it and dad join later? Pretty much together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think as the story goes, it was probably my grandpa's kind of driving force, but my dad was right there <laughs> at the beginning and, and, and even, um, some other family were involved way back when. Um, and then over the years, it of course grew beyond family. Wow. That's awesome. And, and mom, has mom been involved in the business as well, or was she in the early days? You know, in the early days, um, not not as much directly, but right. um, probably about twenty five to thirty years ago, uh, maybe yeah, thirty years ago, much more directly. And so, probably yeah. when my brother and I got to the age where we were kind of old enough to not need her at home, you know, all the time, um, she was able to to really more dedicate time to working in the organization, which yeah. is great. Awesome. So, grew up in a Christian home, it sounds like. And uh, how did that translate geographically? <laughs> I know you were pretty young at the time, but did your mom and dad find a church home pretty easily down in Dallas when they came down from Ohio? Yeah, I, I know that um, when we first moved down, you know, I was really young. They they did find a good church home, and then mm. um, eventually, maybe even just because of moving to a different place in the Metroplex, we we landed at a good church near near where we lived, and um, and really had a great. I mean, that's. Spent my whole, you know, kind of young elementary and, and youth uh, in that church, and it was a great, right. great formative years. Really enjoyed being part of the youth ministry. It's actually where I met my wife. So, uh, huge, you know, um, thankfulness to that church for just the <laughs> opportunity to be uh, together and meet her in the youth ministry. So, yeah, it, it was a great, uh, great church home, and certainly grew a lot in those years. That's awesome. And uh, the the business uh, was flourishing, I presume, or or growing perhaps at that time. Do you remember it in the early days? Uh, you know, were you involved when you were even in your you know single digit years, or did that come much later? You know, I certainly was aware. And so, yeah. what they were doing, especially uh, in those early years, was filming documentaries of missionaries yeah. living around the world. Oh, and right. so, I would cool. hear stories of these missionaries, and that was always yeah. fascinating. And folks that my dad had met overseas would sometimes, you oh, know, hence the travel, right? Exactly. So they were literally going out to the field and uh, yes. doing a lot of interviewing. Wow. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so they would meet people, you know, and they would come back through Dallas and stay in our home for a few nights. And I, so oh. I, I was, I loved hearing those stories, loved being aware of that. Um, and so, yeah, certainly had a, an awareness of, you know, what was going on there. Never right. thought that's what I'd go do. That wasn't expected <laughs> of me or, you know, forced right, upon right. me, but, but yeah, I did get to grow up, you know, with some pretty neat stories about all that. What were some of the things that influenced you the most when you think back to those days? You know, not necessarily just from mom and dad, but some of those visiting missionaries. Yeah, I think um, hearing their stories, you know, on this side of the ocean, I was always just really in awe, you know, of just yeah. being a part of these, um, you know, different parts of the world, different cultures, you know, the, mm. the learnings that they were having. And I think as Asia, far as- Asia, Africa, Europe, where, where, where they're coming from all over? All, all over. I mean, wow. I remember particularly a couple um, from Africa that that mm. actually many years later, uh, when I got to go overseas for the first time, we were able to visit some of those missionaries who were living there. And oh, so it was awesome. just awesome to kind of connect those dots and, and see yeah. them on, you know, in, in their real habitat, you know, where right, they were really right. uh, living and serving and just great people. So I, I think from an early age, I was just inspired by those stories, you know, and I, yeah. I think came to learn that- people's stories are really powerful. And when you listen and, and hear those stories, it, 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 it can inspire you in ways that you never really thought it would. Um, and it can inspire two different people, two different ways, you know, but it's That's just right. the power of the story. Well, back to your story. Were you a good student in school? <laughs> I was a good student. I mean, I'm yeah. pretty quintessential, kind of your firstborn, try to keep things in right. line. You know, uh, I mean, that that can be good. High achiever. High achiever. <laughs> it's not all good, right? I mean, you can be too much of a people pleaser or too much of a, you know, too hard on yourself. But but overall, yeah, I, a good student, got good grades, tried to keep keep everything on the straight and narrow. Involved in sports, music, other times, outside activities. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, by the time I got to high school, um, 
was in band and that kind of became my, my group of friends yeah. and my kind of thing to do. And so, um, did band and, you know, the marching band and all that, and just kind of enjoyed being a part of the school through that. I, I did baseball a lot growing up. I never played baseball through the high school particularly, but just in rec mm -hmm. leagues and just enjoyed playing a lot. Yeah. Fun. And any entrepreneurial things that you did? I mean, dad and granddad certainly were entrepreneurial in their way. Did you find your own, you know, path when it comes to, you know, the paper route or selling Christmas cards or mistletoe or that type of thing? Yeah. I, so I would say early on, you know, pr probably not something that would, you know, really fall into that entrepreneurial category. I mean, I did where we lived, they had just opened up a Chick-fil-A just kind of ah. two blocks away. And wow. Those were early days then. Those huh? were early days. That was, yeah. new, you know, it was, you know, nobody knew what Chick-fil-A was, but, um, right. but I remember at age 15, you know, walking over there and, and sitting in the little trailer as they, they were building the, the store and interviewing, huh. you know, with the, the owner and operator of it. And so, you know, by the time I was 15, was over there taking money as a cashier at Chick-fil-A and, wow. um, and loved that, you know, just as a first yeah. chance to actually be kind of out of the house earning money that way. Now, did you know that it was a Christian organization when you uh, went to apply? I don't think I even knew that when I went to yeah. apply. I mean, it was pretty clear right. early on that they were, but it was right. just uh, a new business that was looking for people, you know? You know, I didn't get a chance to experience Chick-fil-A because I grew up on the West Coast, so I didn't really have much of it out there until much later in life. But I went for the first time when I was in my 50s, had a client down in the Washington, D.C. area, and I was so impressed just with the cleanliness, you know, the level of, of customer service and the support. I mean, they really know how to train people well there. Did you benefit from some of that? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, as a 15 year old, you probably don't know what you don't know. I mean, it was a good job, you know, it paid, paid what I needed to do to, you know, right. buy my, whatever I needed, you know, hamburgers and stuff when I was out with friends, sure. but, um, <laughs> but you know, it, yeah, it, it was great. And I'm with you. I mean, now certainly with our kids, you know, if we're on a road trip somewhere and we can find a Chick-fil-A, you kind of know, you know what That's you're getting it. into and it's kind of yeah. nice. Absolutely. So you went to Baylor, you stayed, uh, you know, relatively local. Uh, what made you choose to go to school there? You know, so having my parents and other extended family not really growing up in Texas, it wasn't like yeah. we had a lot of Texas roots. Um, my other grandfather, my mom's dad, was an engineer. I honestly didn't know what an engineer did, but I was pretty good at math. And so I remember right. in high school at some point when they're like, hey, what what do you think you're going to do? I just selected engineering. And yeah. um, wow. so when I got closer to college, I started looking at schools that could be good at engineering. And we, we visited several here in Texas. But I remember the week before we were going to go visit a few colleges with my parents, um, I had to do a, a video project in an English mm. class in high school. And just for the first time, even though I'd grown up around, you know, these documentaries and this media ministry, I just had not really ever truly considered media and communications. So, mm. Mm. Um, so all that to say, Baylor was on our list of, of a couple of colleges to visit and went down to Baylor, visited that, specifically went and asked about the communications department, got a real great tour with the head of the department. Um, so that was all big pluses. And then I, I certainly should mention another big plus was, so Julie and I started dating right at the end of high school and she was going to be at Baylor. So that mm. made it real easy to then all of a sudden go, you know what? <laughs> that was a slam dunk. Everything is lining up here. This seems to be the place to go. I love it. And what was the degree that you achieved there? You know, it, it's kind of a silly name when I think back on it because they called it telecommunications, oh, which was uh -huh. really like a radio, television, film degree. And right. I think now they even call it something like media and digital film or something like that. I can't remember Got what it. they call it, but but that's what you focus. It's on. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And um, was it kind of a foregone conclusion you'd go to college? I mean, did did dad and mom uh, also have their degrees? 
Yeah, I guess it was not, again, like a pressured thing, but probably, right. again, being that kind of good student, high achiever, getting good grades, um, it, 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 I never thought anything other than this is probably what I'm doing next. So, right, yeah, right. That, was, that was a pretty foregone conclusion, at least in my mind. And did you work your way through college? I know Baylor's not an inexpensive place to go, from what I understand. It's not. And so, thankfully, <laughs> those good grades in high school, I was able to get a, a good scholarship to wow, help knock off you. some of that. And then, yeah. um, you know, give a lot of credit to my folks. They... They said, you know, look, we're going to cover as much of this as we can. And between what they were doing and the scholarship, it was able to cover it. So I, I'm real thankful to have graduated and not to be under loads of debt. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. And, you know, I know not everybody can do that. And there's great things about working through. But thankfully, I, I was able to, to get through with their help in that scholarship. That's awesome. And uh, did your younger brother go on to college as well? He did. And so he actually ended up at Baylor as well. And, did he? Um, okay. Interesting. And, I, you know, again, I, don't, I, I think in that regard, he probably just— he was at least familiar with it and, you know, right. considered some others, but, but Baylor's a great school. And I had a great time there. So I think it was pretty easy for him to look at it and say, yeah, this may be a great place for me too. He's five years younger. So he kind of got okay. to see me almost all the way through college before he's, well, yeah, yeah, all the way through college before he started. I'm sure he came down and visited a couple of times. Yeah, that definitely. Year. Definitely. <laughs> now, I, I think you went straight to Right Now Media right out of school, right? Or was there something in between? Was that your first job out of college? First job out of college. I mean, I yeah. had done some things in college, you know, down in Waco, uh, just working on campus and stuff. But yeah, out of right. college, this was the first. I'm one of those few wow. people that, you know, my 21 or 22 year career has really all been at the same place right out of That's college. Amazing. Yeah. Now, you know, tell us a little bit about the thought process going behind that, because, you know, some parents are, yeah, this is son, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. It sounds like yours were kind of the other variety, right? Do they want to kind of have you find your own path before yeah. they decided you can't? Super yeah. thankful. Yeah. They, they, there was definitely no pressure expectation. And I certainly didn't think that was where I was headed, but a couple of great things happened to me in college. And, and I mean, just to kind of quickly highlight them, I mean, yeah. again, it had seen and heard about all these stories of my dad traveling the world, but had not yet done mm. it until I was about 20. And so when I was 20, right. I spent about five weeks in Africa. Um, part of that time was filming a, a story of missionaries living in East Africa. And then wow. after the Whereabouts? filming- what, what part, which countries? Uh, in Tanzania. Flew through Kenya oh, wow. and then spent most of our time in Tanzania. And nice. um, there was a, a team in a pretty remote part of the, the country. Um, and it was a really- mixed team. There was some Tanzanians and there was some people from mm. Europe and there were some Americans and they were, it was just really cool to see and experience that firsthand. And um, so that, that trip was truly one of the more, you know, pivotal moments in my life. I yeah, remember flying home, you know, across the Atlantic, I mean, on the plane and going, okay, God, I, I could do more of that. What, <laughs> what could that look like? How could I do that? You know, where should I go? What should I do? And, um, you know, Got me back to college. I began looking at, okay, what are the options? Where, where can a guy like me go who's studying communications and I'm going to graduate here in about a year or so? What, what, is the, what are the options in front of me? And right, around about right. that same time, I don't know if you're familiar with this book. Uh, it's probably 25 years old now or so called Halftime with Bob Buford. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. that book is sitting on my the dad's shelf. The author passed away just a year or two ago. He did, yeah. And, yeah. and so yeah, I met him earlier on. Yeah. And, and yeah, Bob Buford and I, I mean, I read that book. It was real pivotal. And then I, I had the privilege of interacting with him several different times over the yeah. years. And um the tagline of that book is moving from success to significance. You know, and the idea right. is, That's right. hey, you've kind of reached your midlife. What, what are you going to do now based on that yeah. success to have some sort of significance? And I, I don't know why I read it. Obviously, at age 20, I'm not— yeah, you, you know, weren't quite at the midpoint Yeah, yet. I, I have no success <laughs> to speak of. I'm not— in That was the overachiever part of it. It right? probably was. <laughs> But I just remember reading it going, okay, I, I, yeah, I like what they're that. talking about here. I just, I'm, I'm want to aim for the significance part now, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so actually it's reading that book and the name halftime and what God did through the, the Africa trip and just some other great mm. experiences that made me think, okay, 
I, I want significance now, right now. And right, so right. it was, as I was finishing up college, I went back to the board of directors at the ministry where my dad was and, mm. and talked to them and said, you know, hey, you have no you know, obligation to obviously say yes to any of this, but here's some of the things I'm passionate about. Mm. And I would like to start this kind of division or this segment underneath, you know, the, the overall organizational umbrella called Right Now. And I'd like to help right. younger adults find opportunities to serve. And, and in that time, my main focus was really thinking, again, international missions. I'd like to help plug them into international mission opportunities right yeah. now where they can find that significance right now right. and do something significant right, right now. So, so that name was truly uh, inspired by that Bob Buford book. And it, it was a great book, yeah. but it just wasn't really written for a 20-year-old, you know, but it did make a difference <laughs> in my life. Well, what an what amazing impact. So, so dad said, okay, son, come on board. Where did you start? In the kitchen? <laughs> pretty well, pretty much. And, and, and so before that, you know, before I graduated, I will say in the summers over college, yeah. um, I worked, you, you know, in the exposure. shipping department, you know, and was oh, just sure. helping shipping right. boxes for the ministry and wow. um, that kind of stuff. So I loved, you know, just kind of seeing things from that perspective. And then, yeah, when I, when I started in 2000, um, I was kind of wearing two hats. On one hand, I was helping to start this new, you know, right now division. And so that's where I've got some of my first experience doing some leadership and, and trying to see something grow and develop. But then I was also a, a contributing part of our, our video production team. And so I was using mm. some of the skills I had learned in college Ooh, to help right, cool. help that team just produce some of yeah. the resources. So I was doing one of those two things, you know, every day. And sometimes it would just kind of bounce back and forth. Now, they were operating as a nonprofit at that time, correct? Correct. And we still are, actually. Uh -huh. Still yeah. are to this day. Yeah. yeah. And, and in those days then, how big was the organization? You know, was it uh, yeah, so 20 in, people, 50 people? In 2000, <laughs> yeah, wow. it was about, um, there's probably about 50 to 60 people on the team, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, probably about a 4 to $5 million organization. Right. Um, you know, what was unique about us then and still today is, Back in the very early days, doing those missionary documentaries, everything was donor-driven. And then right. as things right. migrated right. towards uh, the production and distribution of these video resources, we were able to move from a donor-driven model to a self-sustaining model. And so that's oh. we've really operated that way for 30 years. And it was that that's way when right. I joined, and we still continue to operate that way today. Right, right. So tell us about the progression then. Did you work only on right now then for those first early years and then kind of integrate the rest of the business over time? Or, you know, how did that evolve? Yeah, it was, you know, looking back on it, I would say it was a pretty organic process and, mm. and I have no, uh, you know, I wouldn't do it any other way when I think back on kind of how things mm. unfolded. So for the first 10 years of my career, I was pretty involved in this you know, what I would call kind of a missions mobilization effort um, mm. and, and still connected to the video ministry and video production effort. But all along the way, my dad was really intentional with me and a couple of the other young leaders of just, uh, it was intentional, but it wasn't formal. There was a, this kind of mentoring right. and training that was just, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you a seat at the table, let you in on kind of how some decisions mm. are being made, you know, get your input, but obviously at a 25 year old, I may not, you know, take your input, but I'm just giving us that chance, you know, to kind of speak into and listen to what was going on. And, and so it was again, very intentional, but not necessarily like yeah. formal. Um, but so over those 10 years, there was just a lot of learning. I kind of feel like I went to master's, you know, I got my master's, uh, sure. just in the real world there right. and real thankful for it. And then, um, about 10 years in, again, I give a lot of credit to my dad. He was very forward thinking. I think he looked at, at things and said, I can either be reactive or proactive. And so he proactively mm -hmm. went to the board and said, look, you know, I'm in my mid to late fifties, but I think Brian and these other younger guys are the ones to carry the organization mm -hmm. into the future. 
I think it'd be better if I stepped back, they stepped up, grabbed the baton and went forward. And so he, he didn't disappear. He didn't, you know, right off right. into the sunset. He just took a backseat and said, I'm going to be here. He to- more of an executive chairman, as we would say in the business world. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. And so he was a great coach and, and, and sounding board and, and encourager from behind the scenes. And that allowed us, uh, me and a couple other younger guys, just to take the, the mm. baton and run with it. So, so that was about ten years ago, and then so in right. these last ten or eleven years, um, certainly it's not like you know I've arrived and know it all now, but it was just continual learning process. But now doing it sure. kind of from the, the the corner office versus doing it from down the hall. Yeah. Now is Dad still involved in the business? He is. Yeah. He is. And so actually, it's it's again I, I couldn't script it any better. So. Um, in the last few years, we have uh, really made a, a, an intentional effort to serve uh, churches and organizations around the world. And so pretty big international emphasis. And so so actually, he and my mom are right at the core of that. So they are helping mm. to make some relationships and help us to, to um, awesome. really work with some of the people we're working with around the world. And there's others that are doing that as well. But um, it's really a neat way, I would say, for them to kind of spend their final chapter of going, yeah. okay— we started this whole thing, you know, specifically on international missions, and now forty some years later, it's not missions per se, but it's it's right. actually working alongside the international church and saying how do we serve and support them. So it's been a it's been a neat kind of full circle thing. How much of what um, the company was doing at the time that you joined, you're doing today? Well, I would say at its core, we're always been, we've always been a content driven ministry, so we're right. still creating and and, and distributing content. Um, the yeah. way we're doing it, how much we're doing you know, where we're doing, I mean, there's so many things that have changed, but the core of, we want to create good content. And what I tell people when they're joining our team is, look, we don't get to control how God's going to use that content in somebody's life. You know, that's, (laughs) if we could, we'd be God, you know, and we're not God, but our job is to be faithful and putting that content in people's hands and letting him use it. And so we, we just view content at the core of everything we're doing. So tell us a little bit more now about what right now media is today. Who do you serve? I mean, well, we know who you serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a loaded question. Sure, but but who are the customers that help you serve God? <laughs> you know, so um, if I had to sum it up, and I, I kind of love and hate this analogy, but you know, these days you've got the Netflix and the Amazon Primes and the Hulu's. Yeah. I mean, we're all used to these kind of streaming libraries of, of right. entertainment right. content. Right. Well, similarly, we are an online streaming library of discipleship content that churches use. So we serve about twenty-two thousand mm. churches. Who they subscribe wow. to right now? Media. Globally, or, or just in the yeah, that's yeah, globally. Um, so yeah. of that, there's roughly maybe fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred of those that are currently international, and we're we're yeah. seeing those grow. Um, and so those are those are groups that they are you know customer, if you will, and we're right. trying to serve them well. And then once that church or that organization subscribes, then anybody in their church or the organization can create an account. Uh, to Right Now Media. So we have over 4 million people with, with mm. you know, um, accounts to Right Now Media. The, those are kind of indirectly or, or in some ways, maybe even more directly, the people we're serving because we get to reach into the lives of, you know, a youth group leader or an adult small group leader or a mom or a dad mm. or a, even a student and say, hey, on your phone, on your computer, on your smart TV, you can have some of this content that's great for mm. you. It's great for leading a group. It's great for your family. Awesome. And so we we love, again, putting that content into people's hands. But going through the church, we, we really believe as an organization, we are, we are strategically um, positioned yeah. to align ourselves right there next to the church. Right. Now, it, it, do they have a subscription model? Is that kind of how it works? And they have, you know, so many, you know, hours that they actually buy or is each, you know, content priced to, to, to their individual needs or how, how does that whole, whole part of that work? Sure. Yeah. Good question. We, we've tried to keep it pretty simple. So basically mm. uh, a church signs up, 
and subscribes. And they do that based on kind of a tier model of just how many people are in their church. Got and, it. Right. I right. mean, we're Number not, of seats, literally. It, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we're not too specific or picky on, you know, hey, look, you just went from a 500 member church to a 501 member. So now you're in right. a new tier. You know, it's just, yeah, hey, yeah. about how many people are in your church? Okay, 500. Well, then here's your subscription price. And then after okay. that, everybody in their church basically has free access to all that video content. Nice. So there's really no nice. financial cost to the individual. Um, it's it, The church is really equipping them on their behalf. Right, right. And one price buys it all, essentially, yes, right? You uh-huh. know, price it by the various content. And and tell us a little bit about the content. But is it, is it, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I know a little bit about it through my C12 experience I mentioned, but is it, you know, is it, uh, you know, worship music? Is it teaching, you know, sermons? Give us a little bit of a taste of that. Yeah. So we, I would say there's kind of three main categories that we really are trying to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, one would be kind of a leadership and training uh, category. And so right. we have a lot of great content that, that in the church context, pastors or leaders of the church can use to help do some, mm. again, training and development for church-specific and ministry-specific needs. Um, we have a whole segment, and, and it's really probably what maybe you're even more familiar with, um, trying to serve businesses. And so we have a yeah. whole host of, of resources that businesses can use wow. that is not— um, all the teaching is going to be conducted by Christians, but it doesn't mean that it feels like a sermon, you know, because we want to create right. content that a business could feel like, you know, I, I need to train my team. Like we, I, I would just, uh, recently I was in Atlanta, we were filming a new project and the topic was called leadership for the 99%. You know, in other mm. words, how do we all have a, a role in leadership and influence in an organization, even if we're not at that top, you know, CEO or executive level, it's great content and very applicable to really anybody in an organization delivered by a great Christian guy, but it's, you're not going to play that to your team and feel like they all had to watch a Bible study or a sermon, you know? And so we're right. trying to put stuff in those leaders' hands that they can use to develop their people. So, mm. so one of the categories is leadership and training, whether it's for the wow. pastoral side or the, uh, the business side. And, and who creates that content? Is that, you know, people that you bring in and train and hire to develop that? Or do you go out to other outside sources and bring that in? Okay. Yeah. Good question. So we have all, all the originals that our team produces. Um, we've got a, a content team of 20 some people here of, of wow. writers and producers and designers. Cool. So they're, they're the ones actually executing and implementing. Uh, but then we're always bringing in you know, what I would call subject matter experts or just, you know, the, the teachers. And so we're going to find right. people who are good at, if we're teaching Bible stuff, let's find good, you know, great pastors like a Matt Chandler, Francis Chan, yeah. you know, those kind of folks. If you're going right. to do, um, you know, leadership stuff that's more oriented to business, then we're looking for people with the business credibility. So Pat Lincioni, purity, John A. Purity issues. You bring in experts that have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. All right. So I, I interrupted you. So that was the second group. What was the third? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. So so leadership <laughs> content. Second would be Bible study content. And that's right. been our bread and butter for years. So it's just, you know, you just think of the kind of stuff that, again, a youth group or a men's group or a, yeah. a life group, yeah. Sunday school class, whatever would use. And then the third category, which is um, a little bit newer for us, would be stuff that's really oriented for kids and family. And that, okay. that of all of our categories, that's the kind of stuff that's a little more oriented for home use. And so right. there's a great library of stuff that families can plug in and, and watch with their kids or put on for their kids Mm. that they know is going to be entertaining, but also have good uh, Mm. biblical teaching underneath it. And again, is it original content that's produced or a combination of things that your, your content team develops, or or you also go out to the market and purchase or license or distribute? It's, it's definitely, it's definitely both. So we love producing and we're going to do that in all three of those categories. And then we're also looking for other great content that we can license and partner with and and help be a a distribution channel for that. So our, our library is, is, in all those categories is pretty deep, pretty robust. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to be selective, but we also want to have enough variety. And then, um, 
you know, whether it's stuff our team's producing or whether it's stuff we're finding out there, we just want to make sure it, it meets the needs of the market. What's the most kind of, um, you know, the fastest growing part of it? Is it, is it the faith and work stuff? Is it the more education at home? Is it, uh, you know, another element of it? Where, where, where do you see, you know, kind of today, the biggest part, particularly during this last 12 months of the pandemic? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of quick thoughts to that. I, I really am excited about the faith and work element. I, I, I think it is growing and I wish it was growing even faster only because yeah. I just think there's huge opportunities there for Christian business leaders. I mean, we, we have a saying that, you know, not everybody has a pastor, but almost everybody has a boss, right? So, <laughs> That's right. you know, people out there going to work today may not claim a pastor of a church, but they right. look around and go, well, so-and-so is my boss. Well, if that boss is Christian, there's just a huge opportunity for them as the Christian mm -hmm. leader to be an influence. So we, I love that area and that space, and I, I'm excited to have seen it grow. I think there's opportunity for it to grow even faster. Right. Um, I would say as far as just viewing and, and where we're seeing people view things the most, it's probably two categories. Uh, we started producing a lot of resources, Bible study resources that just take a user and, a, and take a group through a book of the Bible. So oh, going through cool. James, going through 1 Corinthians, going through Hebrews, and that that just in a church context, that kind of crosses all demographics. You know, youth can do right. that, men can do that, women can do that, married couples can do that. And so that's really, we've seen a lot of people flock to kind that. Kind of like a, a Bible project type yeah. of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, they've yeah. got these yeah. great, yeah, those, those short, you know, summaries that give you just so much rich information. Nice. And then we, we kind of have a little bit longer versions of something like that where people can go, you know, week after week through a book. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's hard to get any better than people saying, hey, one of the things I'm most excited to do is just get into a book of the Bible and study it. So we were thrilled yeah. with that. And the other area of growth, and like you said, even especially in the pandemic here season is, uh, is that kids and family stuff, you know, just yeah, opportunity yeah. in the home for moms and dads and kids to engage Great in content stuff. that's meaningful. So that's been exciting yeah. to see. Fantastic. And, and how many employees today? So about 190. Wow. Wow. About four times the size of when you joined. Yeah, huh? it is remarkable. That's incredible. And, yeah. and, and it's been awesome. And we have, we have a great, great team. Are they all with you there in Dallas or do you have different locations around the country or the world? Yeah. So just about, I mean, there's a few exceptions where there's some people spread throughout the United States, but otherwise most of our team is here, uh, in the Dallas area. And then, and then internationally, um, we have some, it's really through a, a strategic partnership with a a group called Next Gen Global Leaders. And so we have international mm. teams oh, uh, cool. in about eight different regions around the world that that for all practical purposes, they we feel like they're part of our team and they're part of our right. team and we're working shoulder to shoulder, but they're officially uh, part of this Next Gen team. But it's nice. it's part of our family for sure. Well, you know, now that you're in your mid forties, you've got to do what your dad did, right? Start working on the next generation. <laughs> and believe me, I do. I think about that. You know, I think about that a lot. Uh, not that I'm going anywhere, not that I want to be out of here, but I do think, yeah, what what is that going to look like? And so your kids are a little young to get involved in the business, but you never know, right? You never how, know. Somebody asked how me that old is the other your day. Oldest? Yeah. So my oldest, I got four kids. Uh, my oldest yeah. is a girl who's 17, then I have a boy oh, who's 15, gosh. another yeah. girl who's 12, and another boy who's 11. Are any of them showing any interest? You know, with my oldest, because we're kind of in that college searching sure. mode, there's certainly right. been a lot more conversations about, you know, what what do you want to do? What are you going to do? And yeah. like my folks, I mean, I don't want to put any pressure. No that pressure. You're supposed right. to be right. here. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I, the, the, the best thing that can happen is if she or any of my kids just continue way. to, you know, be faithful, continue to be prayerful. And, yeah. and God yeah. just makes it clear to them, hey, this is, and, and it's going to happen through these, I think, life circumstances, you know, I, Again, I was 20 sitting in Africa going, oh, this is really cool. But I would not have ever known or thought that, you know, a year before that. So right, it's just, right. I hope those experiences make a difference. 
You know, one of the challenges that that many Christian CEOs have is is you know when you when you have an environment and in a work environment where you know it's it's it may not reflect the same beliefs that that you have and others. You know, we've got to be you know open and fair in the way we employ others. H- how do you bring Christ in, Brian? What what does that look like on a daily basis for you into the business? And you know, is it something that you guys talk openly out? Can you do that in your organization? Um, you know, is you know, keep keep a seat empty at the table what you know what, what does that look like in your planning sessions it's and it's a good question and i i think there's certainly a lot of ways to do it and do it well thankfully for us i mean we, we can be very overt i mean we're we're trying to hire people who understand and believe in our mission yeah. and so we can yeah. then talk openly about hey we're, we're here to serve the church and see christ lived out through these people so we're we're definitely very 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 overt and and you know in some ways privileged to be able to be that overt right um, right I would say in a, in a maybe a, a weird way, what we almost try to battle more than anything is we're not a church and we don't want to be people's church. You know, sure. I don't want to create such an environment here that the team feels like, oh, okay, um, I don't really need to be plugged into a church because I do Bible right. study with my office. I pray at my yeah. office. I have, yeah. you know, these connections and community there. And, and we want there to be certainly freedom for people to, you know, pray for each other, pray with each other, share things that are, you know, meaningful with each other. But we also have tried to be careful to not, to, to not be somebody's church. And so we're always encouraging That's people, right. look, um, we want to be a great team here and a great, you know, source of inspiration and help to each other, but don't forsake, you know, your local church because right. that would be a shame. Right. So we yeah. almost have the counterbalance of trying not to be too churchy uh, to the point where people feel like, okay, you've, you've yeah. checked that box for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, in your business meetings, do you pray before you actually have a planning session? You know, is it less overt than that? I mean, how, what does that look like? Yeah, it's pretty organic. So, I mean, there are certainly yeah. meetings that we'll, we'll pray for the meeting we're about to have or some of the decisions we're making. Certainly, yeah. we'll pray for people on our team that we know are going through some difficult times or, or have sure. some good things going on. Um, we're, you know, especially when it comes to the content conversations about, you know, right. what should we be right. working on and who should we yeah. be talking with? You know, yeah. there's deep conversations about even, you know, theologically, do we want to, are we okay going this direction or that direction? And so you're kind of talking about some of those issues um, that come up. I mean, so it's, you know, there, there's, I, I think a pretty decent, uh, amount of, of faith driven discussion. Um, hmm. and again, I, I, I'm, I'm an introverted person. So my personality doesn't mean that this is the case for everybody on the team. I mean, I'm not, um, I think I'm pretty vocal and bold, but I also don't want to be, um, I don't know what the right word is. Manipulative. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, I, yeah I don't want it to sure. be like, Hey, this is also, spiritual that that you can't even disagree or you, we can't even have a discussion because it's already a foregone conclusion that somehow this is exactly what God wanted us to do. Yeah. You know, and so I, yeah. I don't know, I want to be careful about that too. How how would you say your leadership styles evolved over these last 20 years? Yeah, you know, I think um when I kind of dial back to you know 10 or 12 years ago, mm. um, of course so much was new and I was so young. I, I was probably pretty um I mean certainly excited but but pretty nervous, you know, had a lot of trepidation, sure. you know, and and so probably had a lot less uh, even confidence in some of my own, you know, either decisions or thoughts on how to lead or how to say something or when to say it. Um, I think as time has grown, I'm certainly more confident. Uh, I would also say um, probably even more trusting now, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a lot of, I have just a, such a great executive team. I just really do put a lot of trust, you know, in them yeah. and, and yeah. rely on them. So 
Uh, my goal is certainly to serve and support them, but I don't feel like I ever have to micromanage or get in their business um, unless they invite me in. You know, hey, I've got an issue, right. I got a question, and I'm happy to to be a part of that. Not that I have the magic sauce to figure it all out, but just happy <laughs> to be a part of that conversation when they want. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess the way I would describe it is um, more confidence in myself, and also yeah. more eagerness or willingness to kind of delegate and trust because we've got this great relationship that's yeah. been built over the years. Awesome. Awesome. Culturally, have things shifted a bit from the time that dad and granddad got the business started to where it is today? Or would you say you're pretty consistent with the culture the way it was then and is now? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it has changed over the years. Yeah. And maybe the biggest driving force there has just been size. You know, you kind of move mm, from course. a little yeah. bit more of a mom and pop size and type shop to a little bit bigger group. And, you know, I think we realized over these last 10 or 12 years, okay, we need to change the way we do some things simply because- right. If we don't, you know, we're not going to grow. We're not going to, yeah. and, and not only we're not going to grow, we're not going to have the culture that is, that we want because we don't know, we no longer have the systems to really support it. So, so I do think things have changed. We've tried to be a little more intentional and, and specific on, mm. on, on making sure our culture is defined and making sure people are kind of carriers of that culture. Um, a couple of years ago, we, we started doing the um, Best Christian Workplaces Institute team mm. survey, which, you know, has been a really great tool for us oh, to great. Yeah. do the anonymous survey, get the feedback and results. And and and, and it, our scores have gone up every year, the four years we've done mm. it. So, I mean, we have taken those things to heart. And again, that's part of the reason why I love our executive team so much is I, again, yeah. I trust that they, sometimes you, you see and hear hard things, you know, in those culture surveys, but they haven't shied away from that. And they've said, okay. Sure there's some great things going on, but here's some things that we can work on and they've done it. And that's, that's seen that culture improve. What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire, Brian? You know, I'm really looking for, um, a big belief in, in what we're doing. I mean, as yeah. best they can tell, right. I mean, we're not just, um, selling something that you can't believe in. I mean, I know maybe any company would say you got to believe in what you sell, but I really do feel like if you're going to spend the hours producing video content or talking to these churches, you got to come from a place of belief in that. So, so you're <laughs> you looking be for all that. In. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Um, and the other thing I would say is just uh, humility, you know, and, and, mm. and again, I look around the, the team and I just feel like we do really have a great sense of humility on the team. You know, when you look at each person, because, um, there's just no one shining star here. I mean, there's not like, yeah. you know, one person that's really carrying the day for everybody. And, and, uh, we've, we've tried to structure things that way, but we've also looked for people that don't need to be the shining star, you know, that can say, right. look, I, I have a lot of things to contribute here, but it doesn't have to be that I'm going to get the pat on the back. It just has to be yeah. that we're working towards our mission. So, so yeah. I would say that that humility along with just a huge belief in what we're doing are, are two big, big factors. When you look ahead and you think about, you know, what has to evolve in the next 15 to 20 years, you know, under your leadership and then perhaps someone else's, what, what, what do you think are going to be the big strategic, you know, changes that you'll go through? What, what do you think is going to be, you know, if you look in your crystal ball, the, the kind of needs that there might be there 10, 15, 20 years from now? I guess a couple of things that come to my mind. I, I think as best I can, you know, control, and that's a weird word to use sometimes because you don't really control anything, but as best I can control, <laughs> you know, we're, we're always going to be content focused. And so I know there's opportunities yeah. for us uh, to at least consider, you know, oh, would you also offer this other kind of software service to the businesses or churches mm. you're serving? It's not that any of that's bad, but we just, we're, we're really committed to believing that's, that, this, that the content and putting content in people's hands is our mission. So, so no matter how the technology changes, you know, for us, it's gone from VHS to DVD to now streaming. That's right. Yeah. Whatever it is in the future, I don't know. Uh, I wish I could predict it, but I don't know. But I, I think it'll still be centered around 
producing and delivering content to Good the people content. that we believe we're yeah. supposed to serve. Um, yeah. One of the things that's, you know, again, been really exciting for us in this recent season, and I hope it continues to grow, is being able to expand who we're serving in a multitude of ways. You know, part of it mm. is now serving those those businesses. That's kind of a new audience that we love yeah. and get to serve. The international audience is a new serve, right. a new audience right. we get to serve. Uh, we've we've entered into a partnership that's allowing us to be more strategic about serving African American churches here in the United States. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think there's just other opportunities for us to go. Okay, we don't have to just kind of stay in what we've always done. We can learn and, and partner with some folks to serve other audience. And with that comes a lot of learning. You know, it's not like we're experts in any of those areas. So you got to listen and learn a lot. Um, and then and evolve to, to find and produce the content that meets those audiences. Yeah. So uh, when I look to the future, I, th- I think it's going to be sticking to content, yeah. but looking for different ways, different audiences mm. that we can serve because of kind of the experience and resources we've now been given. Yeah. Gosh, world's your oyster. Fantastic. Well, Brian, you've been very, very helpful and I really appreciate your time here. It's been terrific learning more about Right Now Media, but we always have one last question. We ask all our guests and, you know, that's kind of what career and life advice would you have for our audience or someone that maybe has their eyes on the corner office. Maybe they're going into a family business like you've done. And, you know, what would you tell them if they were 10, 15 years behind in their career? You know, I think if I think back on what I've experienced, both both good times and even hard times or good decisions and bad decisions, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, and you asked about it earlier, Brand. I mean, the, the, the culture, it, to yeah. me, if you're going to sit in the corner office, a big focus of your time has to be on um, creating, fostering, and developing that culture. Mm-hmm. So if you're not there yet and you have eyes to get there, you got to be a student of culture, which really means being a student of people, you know, listening mm-hmm. to people, learning about what makes people excited and motivated to do what they want to do, listening to where they get frustrated and feel like, you know, why did we lose that good person? You know, what, yeah. what, why are they no longer here? And, and then, you know, with the hopes that, okay, one day I'm going to be in that corner office and, and not that everything's going to have to change, but I want to make sure that I know where we've come from as a company, what the culture is and what it could be. And, and, and that again, boils down to people. So I feel like if you're, in my estimation, if your eyes are on that corner office, uh, the culture is going to be your, your ultimate focal point when you get to that seat. So you may as well make it a big part of your life now. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Brian Mosley, president of Right Now Media, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thanks, Brant. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.